and thank you all. It's good to be here with you. And as you look forward to me coming, I look forward to coming to minister to you all. And it's so good to see everyone. I tell you, this COVID is so strange where we are so apart from each other. But I was telling someone, you know, despite all of that, we have to give God praise that we have things like Zoom and live stream and Facebook and YouTube and WebEx and all of it, that we can still connect with each other. Because remember, if it was maybe even five years prior to this, and we went into sheltering in place, my goodness, where would we be today? So although it is hard to be away from each other and to be away from you all to get my hug when I come down there, amen. So when I come back, I need an extra long hug from everybody, amen. So it's good to see you all, love you all, and I thank you so much. Today, I want to talk about deeper intimacy because I see that your pastors have been leading you in the area of the deeper life. And I'm so excited to see this because one of the things my prayer partner and I have been talking about is the paucity of teaching that there has been on the deeper life. I think we have gotten so used to the kind of entertainment kind of preaching to build us up the touchy-feely part and nothing wrong with that. But I think we need to come back to the point, especially in the space and time in which we are in society to remember a walk with the Lord. Everybody I see sometimes so excited about the political side of the aisle and all that's going on in society and a lot of talk going on about it, but sometimes not enough going on about the things of God. So I was really pleased to see this. I'm going to take my, my uh message from a passage of scripture, which I personally uh, like. I'm reading from verses, 1 Corinthians verses, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7 to 11, but I'm going to focus and rest in verse 11. Amen? Because I just want to give the context out of which I'm taking the verse. It says, Starting at verse seven. And let me just give uh, a bigger background so you can understand. This uh, scripture came about because the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. If anything you knew about the Corinthian church, it was a very decadent church. Uh, lawlessness at times. I'm sorry, not a decadent church, a decadent society. So a lot of the people who came to Christ came out of this kind of setting. And so Paul in writing the Corinthians was addressing some of this matter, the disturbing matter that has come to him. Immorality had plagued the Corinthian church. Uh, people taking each other to court had plagued the, the Corinthian church. There was misunderstanding and infighting in the Corinthian church. So the letter was actually written to address problems in the church, problems of conduct, Christian conduct in the church. And it had to do with their lack of progressive sanctification. You're gonna understand it as I go on. And the thing of it was, it was almost as though the, the people had come to Christ, they had become stuck in the fact that they had accepted Christ and did not realize that there was more. 
And so that's where the reading comes in. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 7. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you mean you have been completely defeated already. Why not, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourself cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor mere prostitutes or homosexuals, offenders, but thieves nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. Not that they were that presently. That's what they were. But you were washed, Paul says. You were justified in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit of our God. Let me read that again. And that is what some of you were but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. Father, we come before you this morning, lifting up this prayer, oh God, asking that you would enable me to preach this word as you would have me to preach it. Not here to impress anybody nor offend anyone, but to preach it as you have given it to me. I pray that you would have everybody prepared and ready, oh God, to do this work, dear Lord God, to do the work of looking into ourselves and seeing are we where we need to be with the Lord. And I ask, oh God, that you would have your will and your way as we look into a deeper intimacy with God. I pray that out of this message, that people would have the desire to go deeper and higher in you. And we ask, oh God, that you would have your will and your way and that you would move with might and with power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So our text is going to be, and this is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit of our God. But I'm going to flip it a bit. I'm going to deal with washed and sanctified first. So I already told you what the problem in the Corinthians church were, is that Paul was trying to remind them this lifestyle that you once were in, it's not a part of you anymore because some things have taken place in your life. So I want to talk about, uh, one, the Corinthians problem, two, uh, before intimacy, Three, how intimacy comes about and how to maintain uh, an intimate relationship with God. So the problem the Corinthian church had was causing problem because uh, instead of them growing in the Lord, going deeper in the Lord, they were spending more time dealing with their conduct their conflict with each other instead of putting that time in to developing a deeper relationship with God. Let's put it this way. You can almost say mirrors the church some in a way today. We have come to Jesus Christ. We have accepted Christ as our savior. And it's almost like people come to church as a routine. This is what we do every Sunday. We worship every Sunday. We come and we hear the word every Sunday, and then we go home. 
But I challenge you, what is it that you do on a Monday that keeps you in tune and right and tight with God? What do you do on a Tuesday that keeps you intimate, walking with God, growing in God, growing closer with God? I could ask about Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We ought not to be waiting on Sunday to clock in or card and do a Christian duty and then go home. The, the Corinthian church, this was their problem. They, they had forgotten that they had a responsibility to not only come and fellowship with each other, fight with each other, do whatever they went on, but to have an intimate growing relationship with the Lord. Paul wrote the letter because there was a problem in the Corinthian church that they were not growing deeper in the Lord. That's why Paul came back to them and reminded them. He listed off all those things. He said, you're not that stuff anymore. You don't do that stuff anymore. That's not who you are anymore. That is who you once were. And the same for us as believers. We don't know what goes on in each other's life. But one of the things you need to know is once you have come to Christ, what you once were is no longer who you are. You're now sanctified, justified, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me talk about before intimacy. Intimacy and deeper walk with God means that you're growing closer and closer in your relationship with God. Let me talk about those of you who are married. When you were dating that person, there was something when she walked across the room or he walked across the room. Oh, he is fine. She is fine, right? You did everything possible to get next to that person. You want to know who they are. You start talking because you're, you, 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 you sense that there is something there you want to develop. You want to develop a love relationship with him or with her. So you find time, you find a way to get to him or her. And once you have gotten in, you got the name, you got the number, you got the address, you start calling each other or texting each other or before call and text, you went out on a little date, you know, pizza or whatever. You wanted to know about that person. You took time to grow each day with that person, to know what their favorite color was, what food it is they like, maybe what movies they like. Do they like to go for walks? Do they like to ride bicycles? All of this, you're taking time because you're intentional about developing relationship with that person. But what often happens in a marriage, you got married three weeks later, oh, you know him, you know her, what? I didn't know that about him or her, what? I didn't know that, you know? And all of a sudden you become comfortable with each other because you kind of know each other, you know what they think, you know what they like for breakfast and stuff like that. So you tend to get a little comfortable with the person. And sometimes we see that in our relationship with the Lord. When we come to the Lord, some of us, there is an excitement. The word is popping. The, the time of prayer, the time of worship, 
But as we grow more and more older in the things of the Lord, we tend to get a little comfortable and a little uh, uh, relaxed. And we are not as intentional in our relationship with the Lord in developing uh, intimacy. I want to say this. You have to approach it in this way. No one of us have ever or will ever arrive in your relationship with God until you go home to be with Jesus. It is a continual work, a continual work, a continual work. If you think you have arrived, if you think your Christian life is so wonderful and vibrant, great for you. But you have not yet arrived because intimacy is something you have to go deeper and deeper and deeper, grow more and more in the things of the Lord. In the same with, with a marriage, you have to take time to maybe go for a little more counseling because you have become so comfortable with each other. Take a little time to know him a little better, to know her a little better. Even in a marriage, your intimacy must go deeper and deeper and more solid. It's the same thing with God. But let me go. So now that I've laid that foundation, I want to talk now about this verse. Paul is saying to them, all that nonsense that had gone on, you're no longer a part of that now. He's telling them that you were washed past tense. It happened already. You could talk about intimacy, but no one can develop an intimate relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, unless you have accepted Christ as your savior. I don't care how long you have come to church. I don't care if your mom and dad uh, was a pastor, an evangelist, and whatnot, or whatever. If you have not taken Jesus Christ as savior, there is no passion. There is no desire to grow closer with God. Every person who have taken Jesus Christ as Savior, there is something that happens in your life that never leaves. There is always a desire to grow closer with God, to get more intimate with God, to get deeper in the things of God. There's a phrase that called it's deep calling to deep. Just as God is calling you, he gives you no rest and you try uh, doing what you need to fulfill that call that God is saying, come closer, come closer. You're not doing enough, come closer. I want to spend more time with you, come closer. I want to spend more time in the world, come closer. That is the feeling you have of dissatisfaction. It is the call of the Holy Spirit calling to you. So you cannot have that call. If you don't have that call, you need to wonder, did I pray that prayer to accept Christ as my Savior, or have I just been doing the church thing? Paul says, you were washed. That is the word regenerated. Titus 3, 5 says, he saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, regeneration, and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That means when you take Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and he does a cleansing, a renewing. They use it, um, a washing. 
that removes the old things from you and you become a new creature in Jesus Christ. The Greek word regeneration is palingenesis. It's used one other place in the Bible. In Matthew 19, 28, it refers to the new birth of creation. In Titus, it's used to speak of the new birth of a sinner to a saint. When you have taken Jesus Christ as Savior, you are no longer perfect. I mean, you're not perfect, but you're no longer a sinner, but one covered under the blood of Jesus Christ and has moved into the realm of being a saint. A saint in the sense that you're now a follower of Jesus Christ. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. What this verse is talking about is saying a new birth, a second birth, born again. It means a spiritual recreation and a spiritual rebirth. It is where God, through the Holy Spirit, brings new life into the believer out of a life that was once separated from God. Ephesians chapter two is an excellent verse that talks about uh, what we go through. Talks about the whole phase of regeneration. Ephesians chapter two, verses one to five. Allow me to read it, please. As for you, you were once dead in your transgression and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature objects of God's wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised him up, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places. So this is what takes place when you take Christ as Savior. You no longer belong to the kingdom of darkness. You have now come into the kingdom of light. Let me give you an example. Uh, I, I, this is particular. When I was a missionary in Africa, you know, uh, your clothes, especially they wore a lot of cotton. But because of the sun and the wind and the dust, your clothes wore out quite quickly. So oftentimes you would have maybe a nice dress. You don't want to give it up, you know. You kind of like it, you know. Uh, we ladies can tell you about that. There are some things we have in our closet that we just keep it because there's a special affection we have for that piece of clothing. So what you would do if you have a special piece, you would take it to the tailor. Now, mind you, the dress may be torn. Uh, it may not look too good anymore. But because of that, you take it to the tailor. The tailor would take maybe a different type of material, sew it into that old tattered dress. And by the time he is done with it, sisters, you could go styling in that dress and nobody would know. The dress has been renewed. 
What is old is no longer there. The old tattoo dress is not there anymore because a new dress is there. And you can go styling in that dress. Amen. I don't know what happened. And my camera went off. Uh, that you can go styling in that dress. And so it is the same when the Lord comes into our life. And you take Jesus Christ as your savior. You're not that old tattered person anymore. You're not that person that uh, that people could look down on. You're not that sinner anymore. You are now covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And you are a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Does that mean we don't mess up? Yes, we do. But that's why the Lord has that verse. If you are faithful and just, to, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from our righteousness. You are regenerated, made new. You move from sinner to saint. John 1, 12 tells us, I just want to remind us, you cannot come into deep intimacy with God if you have not taken Christ as your savior. John 1, 12 says to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So it's not enough to believe. It says Satan believes, the demons believe and tremble. You have to believe, but you also have to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And when and the things you used to do, you desire to do them no more. So to, to develop and go deeper in intimacy with God, you first have to know that you are born again Christian, that you have given your life to Jesus Christ. And once you have done that, don't let nobody mess with you and tell you that you're not. We are not perfect. We do mess up. We do fail. And yes, at times we do sin. But remember, once you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you keep your confession short with God. If you have messed up, please go and tell God that you have messed up. Ask his forgiveness and keep going. Do not think that because you have sinned or you have failed that you're not a Christian anymore. That is what the devil likes to tell people. But once you have given yourself to Jesus Christ, you are born again. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But you must keep your confessions current and short before the Lord. You go and you confess it and put it before the, the feet of the Lord. So he said, and this is what you once were, but you were washed. Hallelujah. We are generated, regenerated, new creatures in Jesus Christ. Nobody can come and tell me anything about my faith in Christ. I know who I am and I know whose I am. Amen. You are a born again, blood bought believer. And the Lord claims you as his own. And yes, at times you mess up, but don't allow anybody to come and take that from you once you know you have given Jesus Christ, taken Christ as your savior. The other thing Paul says, and it's necessary for you to understand if we're going to talk about deeper intimacy, you will justify. First Corinthians 6, 11 says, but you were washed and I'm skipping over sanctified, but I'm coming. You were justified in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the spirit of our God. Justified means it's just as if I never sinned. When you come to Jesus Christ, 
to take him as your savior. One of the things we have to do is pray the prayer of repentance. Father, I ask your forgiveness. I repent of my sins that I've done in the past, that I've done presently and maybe in the future. I ask your forgiveness, dear Lord God, and that you will cleanse me of the sins that I've done because I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He suffered, he died, he rose, and he's coming back again. He gave his life so that I could be redeemed, so I can be forgiven. That is what justification is, my brother and sister. I don't care what you have done. Once you have taken Jesus Christ as Savior, the blood of Jesus Christ justifies, cleanses you, atones for your sin. That means rubs it out, erases it. The guilt, the shame, the condemnation of sin is there no more. You are clean. You stand before the Lord. And when you stand before the Lord, and the last day when you stand before that great white throne, where the enemy comes and try to bring all kinds of accusations to you, he cannot stand because the blood of Jesus Christ justified you, cleansed you, declare you innocent, holy, blameless in the name of Jesus. So you're not only made a new creature, you're justified, just as if you never sinned. Because the blood of Jesus Christ covers and erases it all. Tell me if that doesn't do something for you today. Tell me if that doesn't encourage you. Now, this is important because, because you are justified, because you are washed, because you are justified, you're also sanctified. Sanctified means set apart as holy unto the Lord. What? You mean me? As messed up as I am, that I still sin and I still make mistakes, that I am now set apart as holy unto the Lord because I took Jesus Christ as Savior and I'm washed and justified just as if I never sinned. And because of that, from the time I take Jesus Christ as Savior, it says, I am sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit not only washes you clean, the blood of Jesus not only declare you just as if you never sinned, holy and righteous, but the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ sanctifies you set you apart to, to be God's and God alone. That's what sanctification means. You are set apart to be God's and God's alone. One of the words in the Old Testament, the, the utensils used in the tabernacle, it says they're hallowed unto the Lord. It's the same connotation of the word sanctified. So you, my brother and my sister, you are so precious to the Lord that when you come to Jesus Christ, it's like he takes you like a vessel. You no longer belong to the world. Satan no longer has any hold on you. All that you did, he has washed it away. You are now justified as if you never sin holy and blameless to God. You're no longer a part of that world. 
the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, now takes you and sets you on the side of God, holy, blameless, righteous, sanctified. You're no longer there. You're here. Do you mess up while you're here? Yes. Do you fall short of the Lord while you're here? Yes. But guess what? You're no longer there. You have been transferred. You have been sanctified. You are holy unto the Lord. The word sanctification there is used in the past perfect tense, meaning it's done, 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 done. Finished. That is called positional sanctification. When I take Jesus Christ as Savior, I am positioned are sanctified in the presence of the Lord. I'm not moving anywhere because that is where I am. But you see, when it comes to sanctification, I like to talk about there are two roads. There's a road where you start and that is where you are. You're on the road of sanctification. But there's also where it talks about the sanctifying work of Jesus Christ. In Corinthians, it says we are sanctified. It is done. It is finished. But then when you go to 1 Peter 2, 2, it says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by the blood. Sanctifying is a present continuous tense. I mean, it's started at one point and it's continually going on. So when you came to Christ, you are positioned. That is your right. Nobody can take that from you. But when you come to Christ also, though you are positioned as sanctified, as you grow as a Christian, you become more and more like Christ, growing closer and closer to who Jesus Christ is. Let me explain it to you. Whereas, I, I love the example, you may have heard me use this example before, and if you had, act surprised like you never heard it, amen? There is a woman who went to the bank to get a job. They hired her, and her position at the bank was bank teller. That's what she was hired for. That's her position at the bank. But she did not know all the ins and outs of checking and deposits and all of that. So although she had the position at the bank, she needed to be trained to learn all the ramifications that come with her position as a bank teller. You get what I'm saying? So the first day she came in, she didn't know anything. She didn't know what to do. But as the days went by and the weeks went by, progressively she grew more and more in the knowledge of a position as a bank teller because she received training day by day it is the same with us believers when we take jesus christ as our savior we are positioned in christ as sanctified set apart as holy but there comes a time in the life of every believer when you come to realize, you know what? I cannot live this Christian life on my own. I tried and I failed and I messed up. 
and you cry out to God and you say, Father, I cannot do this on my own. Can you help me to live this life? I yield myself to you to show me what to do. Oftentimes in the Christian and missionary realize they call it a crisis when you come to a point in your walk with God, when you walk with Christ and you realize, I cannot live this Christian life on my own. I can't do it the way I'm going. So you come to the Lord and you cry out to the Lord, help me, Lord. Give me the empowering of your Holy Spirit so I can live this life of intimacy, grow deeper in you, deeper in my walk with Christ. So there comes a time when every single one of us have to come to a point where we realize that we need more strength and the power of the Holy Spirit because we cannot do it ourselves. I have to ask that, that happened to me when I was about 17. I wanted to live the Christian life so eagerly, you know, trying to do everything and I keep messing up. And I came to realize, I came to Christ, but I never dedicated myself to the Lord. I never gave myself to the Lord. I never prayed, Father God, I give you 100% of me. I want you to come into my life, to be the Lord of my life, to be the one who guides me when I mess up that I can come to you. And that the Lord, a wonderful thing happened. Over time, I began to see how the Holy Spirit began to work more and more in my life, especially when it comes to the life of obedience. So progressive sanctification, you can picture it like walking down the road. The more you obey God, the more you do the things, uh, you're in obedience to God, doing the things that please God, you find that you walk, you're getting closer and closer and closer to the mind of Christ. You're becoming more and more like Christ. And let's say uh, you one day it comes that you mess up in your relationship with the Lord. And you think, oh, uh, it's all right. I can just keep going. No, you know what's going to happen? You're going to start regressing on that road because you have quenched the Holy Spirit. The, the relationship between you and the Holy Spirit isn't tight anymore. You find that your Bible study is not so wonderful. You come to church, eh, the pastor is preaching his heart out, oh, that sermon. People singing their hearts out, oh, that worship. Nothing pleased you anymore. Why? Because something has come into your life that while you were progressing on that road of sanctification, growing closer and closer to Christ, something happened. And instead of dealing with it, instead of confessing it and putting it under the blood of Jesus, keeping your confession short before the Lord, what happened? You're quenching the Holy Spirit. So you began moving back in your walk with the Lord. Believers in Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you today. Intimacy with God is work. It doesn't happen by just coming to church and sitting up in the service, feeding on the sermon, feeding on the worship, feeding on the prayer. There is work you got to do too. 
There is work you have to do too. You want to see a deeper walk with God and God is calling you. Don't tell me God isn't calling you. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, there is a call that God has on your life where he's calling you to go deeper. I used to read all the books on the, 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 the deeper life and all of this. And you know the conclusion I came to my brothers and sisters? It's this. You want a deeper walk with God. The main thing is this. Obey God when he tells you to obey. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And when you fail to do it, repent and obey. That's it. You want a deeper walk with God. Are you tired of a dried up Christian life? Get in the word. Study the word of God. Let me back up and say, practice the disciplines of the faith. The disciplines of the faith are these. Study God's work daily. Okay, you may miss a day, but get into God's work word daily. Develop a prayer life. Don't be like me. I pray long because I've been praying for years. Start off at 15 minutes. Worship God as you begin. Uh, pray for others. And then pray for yourself, simple as that. Develop a life of prayer. Develop a life of confession. When you mess up and you fail God, just go to God and say, I'm sorry, God, I messed up again. God, here comes your crazy daughter, Donna, coming again. I messed up again. Father, and the same thing I'm coming back with, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. But I go and I talk to God. Also, live a life of obedience to the Lord. If the Lord tells you to do something and you read in the word that we ought not to do certain things, don't do it. Live a life of obedience. And when you mess up in being, in being obedient, uh, repent and obey. And, and listen, serve the Lord in some capacity. It is impossible to love Jesus. It is impossible to be living a life of intimacy and not be serving in some capacity in the church, in the community, but something to be the hands of Jesus. What does all of this mean? For some of you, it may mean uh, some life changes. For some of you, it may mean recapturing some things God has asked you to do and you failed to do. For some of you, it may, it may take taking some time quiet to go away to a quiet place and spend some time with the Lord. Some of you, it may mean finding good Christian people to be around. Get rid of some of them friends that you got that try to pull you away ridiculing your faith if they're ridiculing your faith you don't need them get rid of them because what you don't understand sometimes people are jealous of the fact that you take time that you want to live a holy life and they don't want to, to do it so be careful of 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 what what the people you are around and also be careful my brothers and sisters of where you take yourself there are certain things Christians shouldn't places Christians shouldn't go. There are uh, let me go there. There are certain shows that Christians should be looking at. Amen.
this all goes with holy living. And the more you spend time in God's presence, feeding on the word, listening to your worship music, times of prayer, using your hands and your feet and your resources in and outside the church, you develop such an intimate knowledge of God, a love relationship with God that you would never want to do anything to displease him. So I'm challenging you, I'm challenging you all to a deeper intimacy with, with Christ. It is work. It is work. But if it's important to you, you will do the work. Study of the word. Develop a life of prayer. A life of worship. A life of service unto the Lord. If you love him, you will obey him. Deeper intimacy. And I would even say ever deepening intimacy because you never arrive. It is a daily walk of becoming more like Christ. I hope this message was of help to you in some way. Let me close quickly with this prayer. Let us all bow our heads. If this message touched you in any way, and you say, God, I am tired. I realize that I haven't been living to the deepest potential. I want to grow closer with you, God. I want to dedicate or rededicate my life to you. I remember the days, God, when we walked close together. I remember the days when your word was sweet. I would spend hours in your presence. I rededicate my life today, oh God. That is what I want. For the ones who have never made that commitment, Say today, Father, I dedicate my life to you 100%. I don't even know right now what it means. But this preacher is telling me that we need to go deeper. And I want to go deeper. Make your word alive to me. Show me a way in which I could study your word. Show me a way in which I can come into a life of prayer. Show me a word how I can listen to worship music as I prepare myself to come into your presence daily to study and pray. Show me where you would have me to serve God, not just to come to church, Father, and listen and go home, but to do the work of an evangelist to do the work of a teacher, to do the work of an administrator, to do the work of visitation in the hospital, to do the work of laying hands to heal, to do the work of teaching the children, to do the work of support and exhorting, to do the work of gener generosity, to do the work, oh God, of a missionary, to do the work, oh God, Father, forgive us. Where we have become 
too comfortable, God, in following you. Renew us today. Revive us today. Take me anew and afresh today. I dedicate myself today. Or I rededicate myself to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray now for those who have not yet taken Christ as Savior. It's not enough to come to church and listen to the sermon and enjoy the worship. If there is any doubt, God, let them give that, make that decision you said. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For you did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the, that, but that the world would be saved through him. So those who have not yet accepted Christ as Savior, we ask that today they would make their salvation sure to say today, God, I take you as the Savior and as the Lord of my life, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.